Probably a lot of you have encountered Christians who talk about themselves as being saved. Usually these, type of, these types of Christians identify themselves as evangelicals or fundamentalists or Baptists. Their belief is because at some point in their life they chose Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, that they are therefore guaranteed to go to heaven. Such Christians often use the phrase, once saved, always saved. They believe that nothing that they could possibly do after being saved, no sin, no matter how great, nor even renouncing the faith in Christ by which they purported to be saved, could possibly deprive them of heaven. I had never been aware that there were Christians who had this sort of belief when I was growing up. At least where I was in Buffalo, you didn't have very many evangelicals or fundamentalists or Baptists. It was only when I came to Virginia to go to college that I started to hear Christians speaking in this strange language of being saved. I had been raised Catholic, but neither my parents nor the CCD program that I attended gave me much in the way of solid catechesis. Heading off to college, I knew very little about my Catholic faith. Indeed, what little I did know probably came more from the classes I had on Catholicism in my European history classes in a public high school than it did from what I learned through the church. Yet I distinctly remember how jarring it sounded to me when I would hear a classmate in college say that they were saved. It seemed incredibly bizarre that a person could believe that because they had accepted Christ, that they could then go, say, on a murder spree and still go to heaven. Or that they could take up another religion or ideology and even become anti-Christian and persecute and kill Christians and then die and still be welcomed into heaven, even without the slightest bit of repentance for what they did. I remember posing these kinds of questions to a friend in college who identified himself as a Southern Baptist, and he just stuck to the party line. It doesn't matter because the person was saved by their faith in Christ. Not even faith that is necessarily there at the moment of death, just as long as they had that faith at some moment in the past. The most he would concede is that perhaps a person who claimed to have been saved, but who then later goes on to commit really horrible sins and wasn't repentant of them afterwards, hadn't genuinely accepted Christ as their savior in the first place. But as even he admitted, there's no way for a person to test their faith in Christ so as to know whether their acceptance of Christ as their savior was genuine or not. And to hold that a person could be self-deceived in this way would negate the supposed benefits that would flow from the person having absolute confidence that they were saved in the first place. The church, of course, teaches that the concept of once saved, always saved is contrary to the explicit sense of both scripture and tradition. All we have to do is look at a passage like today's parable of the sower to put the lie to the singular idea or the idea that any singular act of faith or anything else is a surefire safeguard against the possibility of mortal sin, which deprives us of the state of grace and the consequent loss of salvation. St. Paul himself said, I am not conscious of anything against me, but I do not thereby stand acquitted. Meaning that St. Paul recognized that even for a person who has lived and is living strongly in faith, the possibility of sin and damnation is always a potentiality. So long as we continue to have free will, we can sin. 
Even the holiest person can lose their salvation, not by something external to themselves, but simply because, as the Catechism says, it is always a radical possibility inherent in human free will to commit a mortal sin. And unless that person repents in confession, or at least desires to, before they die, then they have died in sin, and they will suffer the consequences. But don't think that the idea of once saved, always saved, which the church regards as a heresy, is something that only exists in certain Protestant communities. Anytime there is a heretical or erroneous idea that exists outside the church, you can almost always bet that there is a cognate idea operative inside the church herself. In the Catholic Church, some theologians push an idea that is basically equivalent to the Protestant notion of once saved, always saved. They refer to it as fundamental option theology. The idea is that if a baptized person makes the love of God and the desire for heaven their fundamental choice in life, that almost any particular sin that they may commit will not deprive them of sanctifying grace, even if that person does not specifically repent of it and confess it. In a sense, you could say fundamental option theology treats almost all sins as if they were venial in nature. Of course, the church has condemned the fundamental option idea as contrary to the faith because it ignores the reality of sin. As St. John Paul the Great said in his encyclical, Veritatis Splendor, to separate the fundamental option from concrete kinds of behavior means to contradict the substantial integrity and personal unity of the moral agent in his body and in his soul. As you can imagine, however, fundamental option theology is still very popular amongst theologians and others in the church who want to square Catholicism with their favorite sexual sin. It is also a favorite of those who want to downplay in general the importance of regular confession, perhaps because they view it as too psychologically taxing. When you hear someone say that you only need to go to confession for the quote-unquote really big things, or when someone says that the most important thing about being a Catholic is not attending church or praying, but about being quote-unquote a good person, then that is the echo of fundamental option theology. So how are we, as hopefully well-formed Catholics, to respond to the question that might be put to us by some Christians, are you saved? Well, one answer is to put it this way. I am saved, I am being saved, and I hope to be saved. We are brought into a justified or saving relationship with Christ by grace in our baptism. Throughout our post-baptismal life, we continue in grace along the path of sanctification as we are refreshed by the sacraments, and hopefully as we are abounding in good works. But we recognize that the pitfall of sin, including mortal sin, is ever-present so long as we retain our free will. Of course, even mortal sin is forgivable, but only if we repent and seek forgiveness in confession. And thus, it is the state of our soul at the end of our life, not at the beginning or at some other point in time, that determines our eternal destiny. At the final judgment, the only question is not, were you saved or not, but rather, are you in the state of grace or not? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.